0: I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched the final movie of our Pinocchio apocalypse, <laughs> which is the the name that uh, our friend Ryan came up with yeah. between this episode and the last, and that's why I'm using it here. Uh, you you have your choice if you like Pinocchio apocalypse, Pinocchio Palooza, or or like Pinoc Palooza, one of those kind of variation ones. Uh, up to you. What what strikes your fancy? Anyways, today we watched the last of the five uh, films of this, which was Guillermo del Toro's uh, 2022 feature film, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Who would like to give a brief spoiler-free plot synopsis of this movie? So this movie um, is, it's the tale of Pinocchio, but um, kind of unlike the others, We start getting to see Geppetto and his uh, son Carlos and their relationship before you start immediately knowing that Carlos dies because you see Geppetto at the grave. But then we have a lengthy kind of flashback getting to know them. Um, And ultimately, his son dies uh, during the Great War, um, which we now know as World War One and uh the Geppetto spends a long time grieving after that and kind of becomes a changed man due to giving into his grief so heavily and we kind of pick back up uh when he he gets drunk and kind of has this i'm going to i'm going to make him again and he decides to kind of frankenstein together some wood into the shape of a boy and then some mystical fairies give it life while he's asleep and uh that that stuff happens so we're sometime in between World War one and two uh, as as Italy is descending into fascism and that kind of is what colors a lot of the movie in terms of putting it in a, in a real historical kind of time frame despite some of the the mystical things going on in it. And so then we kind of have some of your some of the things that we've seen in some of these other adaptations. Pinocchio's really rambunctious and causes problems, needs to kind of learn how to be, but it's also more than Pinocchio needing to learn how to be is also about Geppetto needing to learn not to place his expectations of his old son on his new son. Basically you have Italy descending into fascism and a lot of anti-fascist stuff is at play in the theming of this. Um, We have Sebastian J wonder what it stands for cricket um, who is Kind of the conscience, but also uh, the the film's punching bag. Yeah, <laughs> we have several several characters that have been in pretty much all the adaptations that we've seen before, are are either not there or kind of merged into into a single character, which is fascinating. We'll talk more about that, uh, but we still have the the puppet show and a guy who wants Pinocchio to be part of that. Pinocchio ultimately does end up going with the puppet show for uh for a while, which is maybe another deviation and that he spends a lot longer there. Geppetto kind of realizes the error of his ways and he and Sebastian the Cricket are trying to go find Pinocchio. There's kind of a lot going on, but it's all the the major themes of it, I would say, is death is is like accepting people as well, they are yeah. and is fascism and what it does to people and a society and stuff. It's fascinating. And a lot of those themes are pretty heavy and weighty, but I would still definitely ultimately classify this as a kid's movie. Um, I don't think this ever really reaches a point where it feels like it's only intended for adults. There's a lot of stuff here that like, It'll be different watching it as a kid versus an adult, but I don't think it ever goes so far that it it doesn't feel like it is intended for families. I, I think it is ultimately a movie that everyone is supposed to be able to watch. Um, yeah, what did we think of this movie?
1: I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, lovely, moving, looked great. I think it was a a good story, balancing the kind of heaviness with with levity and comedy. Uh, yeah I definitely recommend it. I really really enjoyed
2: it. I'm still very emotional. <laughs> I very much enjoyed it I, you know and we'll see after our discussion but if we you know it very well may be my favorite adaptation, but I think it was very moving um amazing you know amazing anima- you know animation uh with the way they they did it but um the characters were just um really good really deep and really uh really had were very dynamic and and that just made it really compelling,
0: yeah, it's very good. um I didn't cry at all because I'm a big, strong lady <laughs> uh-huh. uh, who, doesn't, uh-huh. who doesn't who doesn't yeah. who doesn't cry Diver, when a, Diver, when a Diver, film Diver. is trying to emotionally <laughs> manipulate no it's very good. it's a good movie, I think the theming's very interesting. I think it's fascinating the ways in which uh Guillermo del Toro was fine with warping the story to suit his needs, which is I think you know that's 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 good in storytelling to take a a thing but be willing to change it to tell the story that you want to tell with the themes you want to tell it with um yeah i think it's really good uh gorgeous the animations amazing um it's it's very good you should see it if you haven't already let's get specific by which i mean let me tell you about the production of this movie cuz it's a lot In 2008, Guillermo del Toro announced that his next project, a darker adaptation of the Italian novel The Adventures of Pinocchio, was in development. He has called Pinocchio his passion project, stating, "...no art form has influenced my life and my work more than animation, and no single character in history has had as deep of a personal connection to me as Pinocchio, and I've wanted to make this movie for as long as I can remember." When he was a child, Del Toro saw and liked Walt Disney's 1940 animated film adaptation in Guadalajara, Mexico, partially because he felt that it was like a horror movie in its own way due to a few of its more uh, intense moments. Since his teen years, he longed to make his own version of the story. In 2003, he discovered uh, Gris Grimley's illustrations for the 2002 edition of Carlo Collodi's book, portraying Pinocchio as a puppet with a long pointed nose and spindly limbs, with gestures that del toro felt captured the energy of an unruly but otherwise good-hearted puppet he concluded that grimly's illustrations reflected the setting he had in his mind for his own more somber version of collodi's tale On February 17th, 2011, it was announced that Grimley and Mark Gustafsson would co-direct a stop-motion animated Pinocchio film written by del Toro and his longtime collaborator Matthew Robbins, and that it would be visually based upon Grimley's designs. Del Toro would produce the film along with the Jim Henson Company and Path, which is a studio. Grimly devised Pinocchio's look for the film and was initially set to direct it, but on May 17, 2012, Del Toro took over as director. He then teamed up with Gustafson, a stop-motion veteran who had experience in similar stop-motion features like Fantastic Mr. Fox. The film was originally scheduled to be released in 2013 or 2014, but went into development hell with no further information forthcoming about it for years. Yeah. On January 23rd, 2017, Over the Garden Wall creator Patrick McHale was announced to co-write the script with Del Toro. On August 31st, 2017, Del Toro told IndieWire that the film would need a budget increase of $35 million or it would be canceled. On November 8th, 2017, he reported that the project was not happening because no studios were willing to finance it. At one point, Matthew Robbins considered making a 2D animated version of the film with French artist Joanne uh, Sfar to bring the down. but del toro decided that it had to be stop motion even if the higher budget made it harder to get it greenlit on october 22nd 2018 it was announced that the film had been revived with netflix acquiring it and path no longer involved And then they finally made it.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, So, yes, this uh, he's wanted to make it as long as he can remember. But also the public knows that he's wanted to make it since 2008, which you might recognize as being a long time ago compared to now. (laughs) A decade. This as uh, in case you are not aware, we are recording in early 2023. And this film came out in December of 2022. (laughs) So, but he finally did it. He finally got it out there. And uh, the script was indeed, the, the the one that they went with was indeed co-written uh, by Patrick McHale of yes. Over the Garden Wall, which is wonderful. That's just fun. Um, let's talk about the story and the characters. Uh,
1: I think what I wanted to pull out from what you said uh, was more along the lines of, like, the, the setting. Like, I think it was so interesting how they use the setting to... Enhance or characterize the the sort of lessons and situations that Pinocchio was put in. The previous films, in their way, feel kind of timeless, just some like past time. But having this grounding in Italy at this time in a war, so like early on in the film, or not early, but like in the film, you see uh, Geppetto trying to f- get uh, trying to find Pinocchio. And it eventually leads him to having to take a boat to where Pinocchio will be or is. And it would be one thing to just be on a boat ride. But no, this boat ride is, is within all of these mines because they're it's within uh, pre-war or wartime. And so just like for in that scene, like everything gets heightened. They did such a good job like in that scene with the mines making that more disconcerting than it would be if it was just a boat ride with, you know, some antagonist. Yes. Uh, any any of those kind of scenes where you're like, oh, I hope they're going to make it. They just found a way to elevate or prolong in a way that wasn't uh, like, oh, that happened. But but it felt organic and, and still scary and like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen?
0: I, 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 I think that this is probably the scariest version that we have seen of this, of these five versions. And uh, I, I somewhat anticipated that because Guillermo del Toro's name kind of carries a certain weight, but the sort of thing that I guess I would have expected from him is leaning more into mystical and creepy stuff. Like he kind of does a little bit with uh, the blue fairy. It's not the blue fairy, but the
1: guardian is what,
0: what is, the wood sprite wood that he does sprite, yes. that he does with the wood sprite and her sister death. Um, and I sort of I sort of before having seen this expected it to be scary more because of those sorts of elements. But really, I think what makes it so scary so often is the more realistic down-to-earth elements that are tied to the historical place and time that it's set. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they just... A lot of the fact that it's, like, Italy descending into fascism and there's mines in the water and these kids are being sent to, like, fascist boot camp. Like, all of that stuff really, like, kind of makes it this oppressive world that he's living in, but an oppressive world that to some degree did exist yeah. and it just, it feels terrifying.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. And I, it was really interesting because I don't necessarily like dark tone and dark tone themes. And, you know, as as far as to, to be so engaged, but because as you all so perfectly expressed, it, it's so grounded because it's, it's grounded in something that actually happened but it feels real. So even though it was just a, the storytelling was just so compelling because you did have these mystical elements, but again, you had such realism and even, oh gosh, I just want to get emotional thinking about it again, but the relationship that Carlos and Geppetto had, it was so beautifully done. In fact, I want to say it was a really amazing shift from a, almost like idyllic life or just, you know, just very peaceful, loving, um, you know, town community, but daily life. And then it's slowly morphing and morphing as it's descending into this fascism. And then it also, okay. One of the things that I really loved is the creepiness and some of the other adaptations had to do with almost this eccentric, bizarre, Uh, creations that Geppetto made that that some of them were creepy and in some adaptations you know almost scary horrifying like that and I love how the elements of I don't know of creepiness or whatever didn't come from just these didn't come from the creations that Geppetto made Um, and, and in fact it was it was wonderfully done because Sebastian at some point well when Geppetto you know in his frenzy and his drunkenness and grief, just absolute, uh, horrendous grief, um, cuts down the tree that Sebastian has taken home in, and starts carving it up. Um, I think it's Sebastian had a line about this is a nightmare. He this said is a something horror. about
0: it's a house of horrors. A house of horrors. Because he he jumped out of the wood that was gonna that was being made into Pinocchio onto a clock, and then like a thing came out of the clock and like. Craft it was like a, a little mechanical thing with with Symbol. uh, symbols and it smashed him a couple times and then he said that.
2: Yeah, and you know, and just and 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 that's that's when it really, you know, starts taking it almost a nightmarish turn. But when Geppetto and Carlos are having um, you know, you're seeing their relationship and their their daily life, I really like how they how they characterize Geppetto, but it made more sense. It showed him creating things or things, you know, and them trading in town, which made much more sense than the other adaptations where he has all of these clocks and these possessions, but he doesn't ever want to sell them or, or this or that. You're like, how how do you make an, a living? In
0: fairness, him not selling any of them isn't a part of all the adaptations. That right. was, I believe, the live-action Disney's dis- decision, but...
2: Yeah, but, you know, but again, but some, but some adaptations you still don't see... I guess what I liked is you see him being um, an integral part of the community. Yeah. You also see uh, people looking at him with admiration and his relationship with Carlos and even saying, you know, what a good father he is. But, but again, them being just an integral part of the community. And I also
0: loved that. Wait, wait, wait. I was just checking. The son's name was Carlo, not Carlo. Carlos. Carlo.
2: Okay. But I also loved how Carlo went with uh, Geppetto. In fact, it was a little bit. I was like, hmm, "Where are they going with this?" Uh, one of the big projects that uh, that Geppetto had was building a crucifix uh, for a, the the. I guess seemingly, seemingly the main town church. This is a very small little uh, little village, and,
0: and um, a, a very big crucifix. A very big crucifix, <laughs> <Like> a, <laughs> the centerpiece kind of thing. Yeah,
2: like like almost. I mean, like life size type. You bigger, know, crucifix. Yeah. Yeah, or oh, bigger,
0: yeah, much bigger than.
2: Yeah. Uh, Again. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. You're, you are correct. Larger than, than even life size. And so uh, Geppetto's having to get up on these scaffolds and uh, Carlo is, is giving him paints and supplies, but, but I just, you know, that was, you know, one aspect, you know, them just um, uh, trading things, you know, at like a local market. And it was just so neat to see, to see their daily interactions and, and really, see how much they
0: respected each other, how much they loved each other. I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, it's on the same thought is, is that not, I I don't want to focus on, um, uh, saying bad things about the live action disney one but a thing that both it and this have in common is that they both decide they both decide to have geppetto's backstory be that he has a son who died and that part of why he makes pinocchio is to make it an image of his son that's a thing that both of them have but disney kind of ends up using it in this kind of cynical, like not really interesting way where it's basically just a sad backstory for him to have. But the, the reality of that doesn't really affect how anything else in the movie happens. Whereas like Guillermo del Toro makes that decision and like makes it the centerpiece of the whole film. Like it's basically everything comes out of that. Like that is essential to who Geppetto is essential to why Pinocchio is made, and essential to the kind of rift that immediately starts forming between them. It's essential to the theming of the movie. It, it does so much with that that it's not just this cynical. Oh yeah, here's the the easiest uh, twist to think on of of Disney's Pinocchio is oh, uh, what if Geppetto made Pinocchio because he had a son that died? But this film does something with that idea. And not just does something, it's basically the root of the whole thing.
2: It's also interesting how they how they they paired it with Geppetto, his hate and his anguish over war, you know, being what killed his son. And then that being such a a threaded theme throughout this um, with with it beautifully kind of pairs. Geppetto's decline at, at, as a person, as as a as a vibrant functioning person, as a part of the community, as a loving father. His decline with this village, and and you know the country's de- decline into fascism, and that and that shaping and and just warping. I want to say, you know,
1: yeah, like the uh, the comments that you brought up from the town of he's like a model Italian and knows such a good father and all of that. Contrasted with when Pinocchio goes into the church, and uh, it's revealed that Geppetto created him, the townspeople
0: who adored him earlier have so many negative things to say. And I think the priest says something about like you, you all, all these years, and you haven't fixed the the crucifix that you started, but you make this abomination, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So I I liked the that as another kind of illustration about what what fascism does. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I enjoyed this uh, version of the cricket uh, Sebastian. I, I loved how defensive of his home and stuff he was in the beginning. Oh, he so makes funny. a home in a tree that then is shortly after cut down and made into a puppet, and he's like, "Well, I still live here," and so these weird spirit things need to step off yeah. <laughs> this the spirit lady who's making it alive I don't know about this this is my home yeah. uh, just very silly he he kind of has his own like journey throughout the film of being more self-absorbed and know-it-all in the beginning and kind of being humbled and, and stuff as it goes on he really kind of is the film's punching bag in a lot of ways <laughs> he gets uh, s- smushed a lot there was a, a particular one where Geppetto like stepped on him and that made mom gasp I know Oh, did Geppetto didn't cried? do it on purpose. He just, like, literally didn't care enough to not do it. Yeah. Um, I also really love this version of Pinocchio. He's a little monster, but he's also... I think he's kind of the worst, especially early on. But he's so endearing, like, the whole time. Um, I think... I think this is my favorite version of Pinocchio, the character. And it's... Mm. It definitely is closest in form to the 2012 uh, one that we watched. But I... I feel I feel like when I watched the twenty twelve one, I was more annoyed by him early on, and then grew to love him. Whereas I just kind of loved him immediately in this one. I I don't. It's kind of the perfect. They they have the perfect mix of him like. Kind of being innocent and genuinely not understanding or knowing things, but also being petulant and being like, well, why do I need to do things yeah, this way?
1: Very willful.
0: Yeah, and his petulance is also, like, really important because he lives in a world where, like, literal fascists are telling him to conform and... and and serve the community in ways that fascists want, which we know is bad. So it's like, yeah, do, do question that Pinocchio, like do question authority. It's, it's good.
2: It was also really interesting twist and take that when he came into the church and what, and who comes to visit Geppetto and him that evening was this fascist father with the priest. And that, Instead of, it's interesting because in all of these adaptations, you're like, okay, no one is going to freak out because the puppet has come to life. Some do more than others, but initially they're kind of horrified, but then it's like they take it for granted. And then the weird, really disturbing twist is that then you can see constantly the gears of this father, this fascist father, and, and Which he ultimately does, seeing how that Pinocchio could be a tool for the war and could be the perfect soldier. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh. Which it he just... would love
0: his son to be. His son is Candlewick, uh, otherwise known in a lot of adaptations we've seen as Lampwick. And so there, it's like this dehumanization of a puppet. There's the whole a comparison of the two different father-son pairs. It does so much with it. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. The characters referred to as Podesta, I'm not 100% sure if that's his name or like a title, Um, but yeah, he's... Fascinating, terrible, terrible man.
2: <laughs> yeah, and what oh, I, I love how, you know, again, you don't have Pleasure Island, you don't have the. Uh, no, instead the, of uh, Toyland, Stromboli. Instead of Toyland
0: have... or Pleasure Island, you have a fascist training yes. camp for children.
2: <laughs> uh huh. And, and then instead of like Stromboli, you have this. Uh, Volpe is the leader. Say it again. Volpe. Volpe. You have Volpe, who, again, almost, well, so, so much more effectively, he has pinocchio believing that that he has agency in, in any of this and that he respects him and that yes he's going to pay him and, and so that pinocchio can you know send the money to his father and all of that and then at the appropriate time of course reveals his true nature and you see it in um what was the um the monkey's name
0: Spazatura
2: Spazatura
0: Spazatura Spazzatura.
2: Spazzatura. So then instead of, you know, the There's the cat an and the, the fox. An Spazzatura. There you go. Instead of that you have you have this this monkey who is also a marionette or sorry who is puppeteer. a puppeteer. Thank you. Is a puppeteer. Now, question before I forget is the monkey does not speak. And doesn't seem to have, you know, human speech. But yet the puppets that he is puppeteering uh-huh. seem to sp- st- to speak to Pinocchio. So is that like a? It's the only some way of that the supernatural. The, that... I don't. I don't, know. I don't
0: know if it's supernatural. It's yeah. hard to say. Yeah, yeah
2: that's interesting.
0: Uh, and having brought up uh, Volpe and Spazitura, uh, it's worth noting that uh, Volpe's name means fox in Italian. Oh. And it's worth noting that his character is a combination of the Fox, Mangia Fuoco and the ringmaster from the original Pinocchio story. The ringmaster specifically being, we saw in the 2012 version who like, donkey pinocchio was sold to basically Mm, so it's kind of a combination of all those characters meanwhile spazichuro over here uh, his name means trash or garbage in italian and he is the film's counterpart of the cat from the original pinocchio story
2: okay that makes sense and you know and they even oh
0: sorry and one last thing uh, Podesta, the fascist father, is uh, more or less the film's counterpart to the coachman from the original story, as evidenced by the fact that he brings a, a truck full of children to this film's replacement of Toyland, Pleasure Island.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And even had them in their bed. Some of the adaptations, you know, had them tucked yeah. into the bed at night. It was also, you know, it, we'll say with storyline, um, interesting that. Pinocchio does die a few times, and that's where you meet uh, the sister, the counterpart, Death. And it's interesting because the condition is that, you know, for infinity, he will keep dying. But each time that he does die and come back to her, she has these hourglasses with sand in them, and he has to wait until they empty before he can go back to, you know, being you know alive again or, you know, being in the world again. And so that comes into play. But just just really neat uh, concept of that.
0: Also, another thing that's worth noting, the black rabbits that are there in the afterlife are based on the Undertaker rabbits from the original story. So oh, I like that, So yeah. when, when we briefly saw them in the 2012, like, yeah, that is specifically a reference to something that's in the original story. That's not just, like, a weird little thing that the 2012 version did. Uh, yeah. I didn't remember
2: which adaptation, but I knew it was from one of them, and I and I really liked that. Um, I also really liked Candlewick. I, I, it was really interesting, Candlewick's. Um, and I really like how they ended up making Candlewick fairly dynamic. And yeah. that was, I, I really Ultimately, liked that. Ultimately,
0: he's just a boy who wants his dad to love him. I know, and it's really sad. No, it, yeah. Because um, I don't think his father's capable of it.
2: Do you think, because I think this is. Before spoilers, it is. um, Do you think that when the bomb hit where they were, that they that they died? Well, it's, it's show shown, it showed like, Candlewick
0: after. Yeah. Oh, it so did candlewick show. Oh, yeah,
2: okay. oh, I was. not But I'm pretty I'm sure his dad died. Oh, Okay, but it, I'm trying to think of when when it showed Candlewick. He after. He climbed
1: out of the rubble and he was yeah. calling for Pinocchio. Yeah, oh, yeah. Pinocchio Ooh, yes. was already captured. Okay. Yeah. I
2: had
1: forgotten about that. Okay. Oh, yay! I'm
0: Which so I think glad. is the last time we see him. Then hopefully he's all right. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna go through it emotionally, given he probably just watched his dad die, but. Uh yeah, he's alive. Uh, his dad is probably not. It's not confirmed, but like the film language insinuated that the bomb was basically dropping directly on him. 100%. So.
2: so before spoilers, of course, and because I had alluded to some of this, so when when Pinocchio died uh one of the times, I'm trying to think of what preceded that He dying. got hit
0: by a truck. Oh, okay, he got the fir- hit by a tr- the first time is he got hit by a truck which was being driven by either Podesta or his wife. Um And so Podesta sees that, and like you had said earlier, that's the spark of him being like, oh... Because when Pinocchio comes back to life, he's like, oh, you're immortal. That could be, you could be an amazing soldier kind mm-hmm. of thing.
2: But what I was going to say is that when when it comes into play again is after Pinocchio gives a performance for uh, Mussolini, which we can talk we love to talk <laughs> yeah. about.
0: It's great performance. <laughs> what a sentence.
2: Um, then he gets shot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he gets shot and he dies a second time. But where he wakes up is in this truck full of boys going to this um, Nazi camp with... Candlewick's father there saying, I knew you'd come, you know, to, and yes, you're going to be the perfect soldier. And then when they go through this, um, this exercise, basically divided into teams, a team, um, you know, has to, they go through obstacles and one has to hang the flag. Well, both Pinocchio and Candlewick, they both tie and they loved it because they, they've already, the night before it was so interesting, you know. Basically, Candlewick doesn't want to admit that he's f- afraid, but they just have some neat conversations. Um, you know, Pinocchio honestly is not afraid of death because he's now died before, but you can tell that, of course, Candlewick is is terrified. You don't really know yet how much that he's gone through with, you know, with his dad. Maybe he starts alluding to that. But bottom line is, the next day when they they both tie, they're delighted, and when they come and and you know join their flags together and present. The father takes out a real gun and and orders Candlewick to shoot Pinocchio, and that's where I said I love how they make him dynamic because he says, "You may have called me weak all my life, but this is but this is one thing that I will stand and tell you: No, I'm not going to do it. No, and um, and yeah."
0: It's good. It's so good. good. So good. Um, On a more lighthearted note, um, I liked when um, Geppetto goes out on a boat to try to find Pinocchio, which like a fisherman guy is piloting, but that guy just... (laughs) Fully jump ship as soon as the dog, the giant dogfish appears. Yes, he but then, yes. But then I like when Geppetto and Sebastian are uh, the cricket are in the fish, and Geppetto's using Sebastian as bait to catch fish <laughs> in the stomach, yes. and they catch a fish, and then they're like, oh, we're so lucky!" As the camera like zooms out on them just being trapped in this dogfish, just. <laughs> Amusing.
2: They have some really, like I said, really funny levity with Sebastian. Sebastian, you, you've got to have levity gets, in this oh thing. Oh my god, and you need it. It's so needed, but it's so well timed. It's so, it's worked in so well. But one of the 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 running jokes, which is just really great, is Ewan McGregor plays Sebastian. I adore Ewan McGregor, as many, I'm sure, people do. And he has an incredible, incredible singing voice. And so both times in in the main movie um, when Ewan McGregor is... is starting to belt out a song and going to the song, he gets
0: At at first, he gets a couple of words in and then gets smashed by the doors. Yes. Pinocchio throws it open. Then much later in the film, he starts singing it on the boat, and then the boat is eaten by the dog. Yes, (laughs) that's great. But fortunately for all of you who want to hear Ewan McGregor sing again, he does get to finally do the full song in the credits. Yes. (laughs) good for him is a it's a funny joke that is fortunately like not overdone yeah because you could have yes. done it a whole lot of times and it would have just kind of lost its charm but they do it yes. twice and then the third time's the charm and, and that's the credit so it's, yes
1: it was great. uh it was
0: great. and since you brought up voice acting let's let's uh, focus a little focus in a little bit on that though if you have story character stuff still that's that's fine but one of my voice acting notes is that it was very obvious to me that the fisherman with the hook is Tom Kenny because I've heard Tom Kenny's <laughs> pirate voice a lot, thanks to SpongeBob. Oh, <laughs> So okay. I'm like, that's Tom Kenny right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh that's all uh. What's what was the live action pirate that he like played in some episodes?
2: Wasn't it Davy Jones? No. no oh, the oh, live like action one. Sorry. Something. something
0: like that. Sorry. Yeah, I I've, I've heard his pirate voice is what I'm saying. I, <laughs> I I see you. Tom Kenny actually voiced three characters in this movie. Uh the hook-handed sea captain, Mussolini's right-hand man, and also Mussolini himself. Oh,
2: okay. Oh, we've got to talk about the Mussolini thing. Oh my god. So it
0: was so funny because uh, Volpe is like obsessed with Mussolini he's like uh, him and me are really close and he shows Pinocchio a picture of him like standing in front of a camera and way in the background Mussolini is like giving a speech and he's like oh that's him right there Uh, so you know he clearly like wants to be close to this guy who obviously doesn't even know or care who he is
1: yeah and that's the reflection he had his song about being uh, on top again like they were on top once and he wants it a second time Yeah, and so this is his way he thinks, to to get there. Right, right. Well, and
2: also, before they perform for
1: Mussolini uh, is
2: where you see his true colors. Uh, because Spassatura uh, puppets and basically tells Pinocchio that, well, one is you realize that spazzatura you know, you start seeing that he is very jealous and hurt by this relationship um, with Pinocchio because That Volpe, I don't don't know if you want to say father figure, but, you know, but basically, you know, was his partner or, or like took care of him or they were close and that Pinocchio has interfered with that and has come between that. And now Pinocchio is getting all these accolades, but also, you know, it's taken that time away from from him. And so he through his puppets he basically tells him that, you know, the money isn't going, why are you still, you know, here and stuff, but that the money isn't going to your father and and so forth. Well, unfortunately Volpe overhears and, and hears that conversation. And so the next day he is beating uh Spasatura and and Pinocchio inserts him. He says, stop, you know, and he's, and he's like, basically then throws his weight around, you know, I'm your star. You stop, or you're not going to, I'm not going to do what you say. And you can't treat him like that. And you can't hit him. And then that's when, um, Volpe comes, you know, his true nature comes out and he basically, you know, cuts, I think cuts off part of Pinocchio's nose, but basically says, you are a servant. You work for me. You're nothing. So forth. So then anyway, uh, Spezzatura and Pinocchio, or Pinocchio uh, tells Spezzatura what he'd like to do during this performance for with, Mussolini. For the Mussolini. big performance
0: that Volpe is all excited about. Mm-hmm.
2: And it is, it's so funny. It's
0: basically a song uh, just completely. <laughs> making fun of Mussolini. Uh, there's a puppet uh, excrement with smile on its face. Um, a big poop. <laughs> yeah. Just a, just a, a whole thing. Just, sl- just slamming on Mussolini at the end of which Mussolini is like, I don't like this puppet show. And then tells his right hand <laughs> man to kill, yeah. to, get, to yeah. kill them
2: all. Yeah. So, so yeah. So <laughs> yes.
0: Um, voice actor wise, um, we have um, some people that I think are worth pointing out. Um, Podest- the Podesta fascist dad is voiced by Ron Perlman, who is a frequent collaborator with Guillermo del Toro, um, and he's just got that nice deep voice. Um, we got uh, the Woodsprite and Death are both vo- are both voiced by Tilda Swinton, um, who's famous actress. Um, of course, we've called out Ewan McGregor. Do you guys know who Spazzatura is voiced by? Uh... Is it Ewan McGregor? No.
1: Frank Frankwell?
2: No, Frank.
1: Vin Oakwell. Diesel. I don't know.
0: It's Kate Blanchett.
1: Wow, what? that's funny. <laughs> what?
0: Yes, the monkey Spazichura no. is voiced by Kate Blanchett. I
1: think I saw that interview where she was like, "I want to be in the movie." They're yes, like, exactly. A monkey. She's like, yes. They had
0: basically everyone else cast, and she was like, "Hey, can I be in your movie?" And it's like, "Well, we got everyone." She's like, "I'll do anything," and they're like, "All right, you can be the monkey." And so she's the monkey. And it's a little oh more goodness. obvious when she's also voicing the puppets that Spazatura does. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, like oh, she's... That's so great. Most oh of what gosh. she does in the movie is a bunch of monkey sounds and good for her. <laughs> she just wanted to be in it really badly.
2: That's funny. <laughs> that is
0: hilarious. Love that. Let's go on to animation where I have... Some more notes.
1: Lots of notes.
0: Del Toro told Vanity Fair, I have been very vocal about my admiration and my great, great love for Disney all my life, but that is an impulse that actually makes me move away from that version with this film. I think it is a pinnacle of Disney animation. It's done in the most beautiful hand-drawn 2D animation. Almost all of the years of uh, development on this movie that we talked about how it kind of went through a lot of uh, development hell, were spent by Del Toro and Gustafson defining the designs for the principal characters, basing them on either Grimsley's designs or letting Del Toro's frequent collaborator Guy Davis design them. They then gave the animation models to England's McKinnon and Saunders stop-motion puppet firm, which is considered by Del Toro to be the best in the world, and they fabricated the designs of Pinocchio, Geppetto, Sebastian J. Cricket, Count Volpe, and Spazichurro the monkey. Magnea Fuoco was a originally supposed to appear in the movie as an antagonist but he was removed halfway through production as Del Toro disliked the character and thought he was a cliche as a character model had already been made for Menjefwoko though to not waste that model Hold on
1: is that the strongman
0: Yes, they use that design as the background as a strong man background character. that's part of Volpe's circus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that guy? That and you guy kinda, has a
1: presence. He
0: has a presence because he was originally supposed to actually be Mangio Fuoco, but he was not used. So he's just he's kind of there. Um, All the sets, props, and character costumes were crafted to the same historical and realistic standards that Del Toro's live-action work has often contained, hence the production's decision to not overly stylize buildings through methods like stylizing them in a curvy, stretched, or leaning way, um, which kind of led to a mix of stop-motion and live-action styles that support the film's theming. Uh, Animators were also encouraged to achieve naturalistic performances from the puppets by making them commit mistakes like like itching, sneezing, or looking away if embarrassed or scared, in order to shoot the character's thinking and listening uh, traits which are not usually shot in animation. So yeah, he really wanted more naturalistic performances, and I think he got that. Yeah, I mean,
1: the movement and all of that was just lifelike. and
0: Except for when it super wasn't like when Pinocchio was first moving around. Like a horrifying monstrosity. Oh, I love I, that. It was so no. good. Just yes. like, I don't know how to walk like a people so I'm not walking like a people because yeah. I don't have to.
1: You know the fastest way to go down something? Fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I also really love the animation during Pinocchio's creation. It was very like Frankensteinian, yeah, very, yes. very like a horror framing compared to all the other uh, adaptations' uh, creation. Like, no, it's just like he is in like a, a drunken, upset fervor, just yes. like hacking something together.
2: Um, yeah, I, and I, the
0: end product. Shows it. And yeah. those
2: nails that are still yes. in Pinocchio in the back of him, just like not all the way in, just sticking yeah. out. It's just
1: a mess. Yeah. No, but I I, I love that. Like, yeah, Same. compared to the other films, the mindset during creation is fully different.
0: Yeah. Just full of grief and alcohol.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so. And anger. Yeah. I, uh, I love that. That was good.
0: Um, Of course, the most uh, kind of stereotypical uh, stereotypically Garibel del Toro designs are given to uh the the Wood Fairy and the Death Fairy, um, who both have really cool designs. Love the little like blinking eyes in the the wood fairies. Mm-hmm. Um but the death fairy's design in general, she's kind of like a sphinx sort of thing, is just so cool. The design of her like realm that she exists in with all the, the with all the hourglasses and stuff is really cool. And then kind of the thing that ties them together and makes you be like, okay, I guess they're sisters is that they both have masks for faces and they're clearly like sculpted to be masks rather than like a face. They don't move and you can kind of like see edges around it like something might be behind there. Um, And it gives them this... Beyond just the the silhouette of them, the mask itself also gives them this kind of otherworldly off-putting presence that's really cool.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of religious imagery in the film. Oh, yes. Like, the beginning starts, they're making the crucifix, He Pinocchio directly compares himself to Jesus in terms of, like, they like this wooden guy... Why don't they like me? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I liked the designs of the Wood Sprite and Death because you have like the eyes and the wings alluding to kind of the biblically accurate depictions of angels. Like they have a mask because if you see their face, uh, you wouldn't be able to comprehend it.
0: Yeah. But then also like this look that we get at the afterlife is is very much not like... In line with a traditional view of what a Christian afterlife looks like. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like it's got all this Christian imagery, but is also not beholden to sticking with that at all times and just can have fun with with the weirdness. Yeah. The creepy undertaker rabbit guys uh, that are like bunnies with bones and stuff that then play cards. Yeah, it's good. Well, you mentioned the scene where Pinocchio
2: first comes to life or starts walking and all. It really was like a horror film, which really added to uh, Geppetto's um, disbelief that he's alive and horror because you just, you know, and and Pinocchio is, is just destroying things left and right, just out of curiosity. I mean, he doesn't, it's interesting because his innocence and ignorance of, of, and, and, you know, how things are or the consequence of anything is just so apparent as he just starts taking interest and delight in everything he sees. But he's like just destroying everything and not giving it a second thought, you know, so it's it's interesting. Yeah. But then that adds, to, of course, to DePetta's whore who actually finally, st- you know, locks him like in the, a little under cupboard. Uh, cupboard, you know, type thing.
0: Yeah, uh, I also, um, one of the animation things I like is is later after Pinocchio has already left with the, the traveling carnival or whatever, Geppetto goes to where it was and he's frustrated and there's still some like balloons kind of floating there but not very high. <laughs> and he just like at one point is just like hitting and kicking one trying to like get it out of his way but it's like bouncing around and moving, you know, like a balloon and yeah. just like the way that was animated is so realistic and relatable, I'm like, I feel like I've had an encounter with a balloon like this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Again, like another moment of levity in this yes. kind of heavy time.
0: Yeah. This film had multiple instances of characters crying or having tears on their face, and it looked very good every time. Yes, uh, the do. time that I actually wrote down was Candlewick crying Ugh, in bed. Some Candlewick. It was very oh. good. Oh, oh I know. Um, just like the the tears look good, and they they want to they want to bring you along with them. They want they want you to be like but the character. <laughs> no, I never. I didn't cry at all. Yeah, and sure. no one can prove anything other than that because you guys were not looking at me. So because
1: <laughs> we were bawling. Yeah. yeah,
0: you guys were bawling.
1: <laughs> that scene was that Was really good. Just really touching. I did like how they had Candlewick parallel to Pinocchio, uh, and that scene kind of brought it together. So good.
2: I also really like the design of Sebastian. You know, we talked about some of the designs. Um, very he definitely
0: looks like a cricket. Yeah.
2: I mean, and, and that's what I really liked.
0: With you a know. mustache. Yeah. Important.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I loved, I, and, and what was kind of neat is then you see some of the adaptations, uh, um, depictions, you know, with it come through more his surroundings and his possessions and who he was, which I just I find found delightful because I liked him looking like a real you know, like a real cricket. I don't yeah. know, Just liked it.
0: But cuter. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. And he got squashed a few times. Yeah.
0: Like <laughs> It looked... A few, as I think, underselling it. He got squashed yeah, many times. Yeah,
1: uncomfortable, but not gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, like, a crinkled antenna. Oh, yeah. And, like, his wings were splayed out.
0: He's the yeah. most cartoon character in here. It's like, it feels like you maybe should have died a couple of times. Yeah. But you don't <laughs> quite.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, um, anything else with animation? Oh,
2: oh one other thing. Go yes, forward. is is the uh, wood sprite, the creatures that maybe made her up. I don't know. Yeah, the, like, that were balls. floating. Yeah, that were floating through the air. Those were really an interesting design too. Yeah, just so many interesting designs. Um, Definitely. And did you tell me that this? The, did this man have any inspiration from, like, Nightmare Before Christmas or what? But it's... He's uh, been
0: heavily influenced by animation as a medium. Uh, I don't think he's specifically cited Nightmare Before Christmas here. But given how highly he uh, values both animation as an art form and also specifically stop motion, given he wanted his film and was determined to have his film made that way... I would be surprised if he hasn't seen one of the more, most well-known stop motion animated works. (laughs) So,
2: well, I was just going to say, you know, I I love the, the, the transition and how everything didn't just look the same, but it did again, that it had that more, that dark theme, you know, in the, in the, in the parts that made sense, you know, even in the belly of the, of the, um, dogfish, the dogfish, of, you know, in the camp for, you know, the training camp for the boys. And even the whole lighting uh, and look of the little town after it descended into fascism. That was that was really well
0: done.
1: Uh, speaking of the dogfish, the dogfish looked really good. Yeah, really mm-hmm. creepy
0: looking and weird. Just, like, weird. It's just a weird thing. Yeah,
1: very cool. <laughs> I, li-
0: I, I liked that where they end up in the dogfish is not just, like... Like, I love Monstro, but the inside of him, based on what we see in Disney's Pinocchio, is just, like, a big empty tube, (laughs) which is weird. (laughs) But, like, with the dogfish, we clearly, like, see them travel, like, down an esophagus sort of thing or something, and then into uh, a place filled with, like, stomach acid and stuff. Like, it's... They're in a tummy, rather than just in his absurdly large mouth. (laughs)
1: We don't see, like, anything get singed in the stomach, which I think is fine. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, oh, no, we can't touch that. Because pretty much everything else was elevated in terms of uh, being dangerous and, like, what's going to happen. So, like, I'm glad they didn't add that on top of it.
0: Yeah, like, potentially being trapped in there forever was enough of a danger. We've kind of are... We've, like, seen a live-action Pinocchio and stuff, and it's just, you know... We got other stuff to talk about here. Guillermo del Toro wanted it very specifically to be stop motion animation. And that's what he did. So let's go on to sound design. Uh There are multiple songs in this movie.
1: Quite a few. Uh,
0: yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like nine, I think. A majority of which are sung by Pinocchio. Um, But we also have um, Sebastian try to sing and then finally get to sing at the very end. Uh, Geppetto sings, uh, Volpe sings. Oh, and the the undead bunny guys, they have a little ditty that they do. Not like a full-fledged song, just kind of catchy little thing that they do. I thought Volpe's song was kind of meh. It works for his character and stuff. Just like musically, I I, I wasn't too terribly excited by it.
1: Same, I put eh by it. Yeah,
0: but um, majority of the songs I found either cute or kind of catchy or whatever. Um, The song Making Fun of Mussolini in particular was very good. It was both catchy and... uh, Crude, but in like a fun way because it's making fun of uh, a literal fascist. Uh, So great, good stuff. Yeah, I don't. It's not a full-fledged musical, and it's certainly structurally not a. uh, It's not structured like a musical or anything, but they got some songs in there, and I I think generally I was happy about that inclusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, The score was done by Alexandra Desplat, um, who. Has done a whole lot of scores, and he did a great job here. I think he's worked with Del Toro on at least one film before now. It was it was good. Music sounded good. Sound design was good.
1: Yeah, we. <laughs> uh, sorry, I was just gonna be petty. I thought about being petty, but I won't. Uh, gonna
0: limit your pettiness. I
1: it's gonna it's gonna you'll hear pettiness in spoilers. Actually, <laughs> I'll I'll let I'll let you know now.
0: Spoilers for spoilers. There's going to be some pettiness.
1: Yeah, but Geppetto's song was really good.
0: My the, son, oh, so good. Uh, the which was a song written by Pinocchio by Carlo's mother. He he says, so, yeah, he said Sing by Mom's his deceased song. wife.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and and uh, the actor's performance of all of Pinocchio's songs on the stage was was really good there gregory
0: was, mann is the voice actor for pinocchio
1: the uh yeah like you had this a similar tune for some of them but but yeah like the they had kind of like a montage of his performances and it was it was good let's
0: go on to the part that our podcast is named after how's it hold up I'm going to talk a little bit about the release of this film. It was released to Select Cinemas on November 9th, 2022, and began streaming on Netflix on December 9th, 2022. In the case of Mexico, the director's home country, Cinemex movie theater chain, one of the country's largest exhibitors, suspended the screenings that were scheduled, causing protests from Del Toro, who wanted most of the people in his country to be able to see the film that he made. Uh, So in response, on November 25th, the filmmaker made a call on his Twitter account to show the film in independent theaters throughout the country, and some 30 independent theaters and clubs joined the call to show the film. On December 30th, a massive screening was held in Mexico City's main square the Zocalo and was attended by 10,000 people
2: wow cool
0: this film received critical acclaim for its animation, visuals, music, story, emotional weight, and voice acting. So, basically, Yay! all the aspects. <laughs> uh, it received numerous accolades, including a nomination for Best Animated Feature at the 95th Academy Awards, and three nominations at the 80th Golden Globe Awards, winning Best Animated Feature Film. Del Toro marks the first Latino to win the category, and this was uh, this film was the first animated film from a streaming service to, to win such an award.
2: Whoa! Yes!
0: Uh, yeah. But as far as the actual, the section, I mean, I feel like it holds up well. Uh, What do you all think?
1: Yeah, I
2: I think it holds up really well. And even Valerie pointed out, unlike some of the other adaptations, that there's nothing that really, I mean, they're fairly timeless. There's nothing that really anchors them to a certain time period or place. I don't think it hurt in any way to anchor it, you know, again, to the big war, you know, World War One and World War Two, because the characters, the, the fascism and the fascist father and all of those characters were so well done and were such an interesting take. And, you know, we talk so often about uh, if you're going to have if you're going to redo something, is it adding anything? Is it doing anything different? And this did. I think it both added. To the richness of the characters, to the richness of their relationship, I feel like this. I understand and and like this Geppetto because uh, I went from parts not liking him to liking him, but understanding him and and grieving with him, and and then it's just oh my gosh. So yeah, it just I think it added so much, and I didn't miss. I, I like how you said, um, Danica, that some of the characters were an out, uh, amalgamation of some of the characters in other, uh, iterations of this. But I, I found myself not missing uh, any of the characters that were weren't in here from other iterations because these characters were either so so terrifying just even in the normalcy and, and realism of of how that could happen especially in a fascist you know a country going uh, declining into fascism but also um the characters that you know again were here
1: uh it, i just i yeah so well done oh uh so in your summary you kind of mentioned uh that Guillermo del Toro changed some stuff within the adaptation and, and, you know, that you don't necessarily think that's bad or anything. And I think kind of what I wanted to say, and I I think why it was done well, is having a full understanding of their function and modifying it such that, like, the new thing supports the story. Yeah, I think it shows an understanding of the story, an understanding of what he wanted to do. And he didn't have to replace things one-to-one just knowing what he needed, where he needed things to be, and, and the theming and the character beats that he wanted to hit. Like, I think that just shows... Uh, that just shows that he, you know, he, he knows what he's doing, especially compared to more, more pettiness. Like, the live action, things were... I don't know. Like, things that were kept sometimes didn't make sense. I, I don't know, like, it and just... And also
0: things that were added sometimes didn't make sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's like how... How is it functioning within the story? What does it add and all of that? So, so, like you were saying, like, this added something,
0: for sure. Definitely. Let's go on to our... Spoiler alert. alert! Skip to... One hour, 15 minutes, and 13 seconds. I have a couple of fun facts, but I'm first gonna kind of describe the rest of the film then give those fun facts and then have us just have an open discussion, you know? So, um, after Pinocchio, um, gets launched out by, uh, an explosion of the fascist camp for kids, he, uh, kind of is knocked unconscious on some rocks. And when he wakes up Volpe's there and he's very ticked about the whole Mussolini performance going badly and is there to get revenge on Pinocchio. But fortunately, since Pinocchio bonded with Spazitura, he's able to Spazitura feels bad enough about this that he puts a stop to it and tries to help Pinocchio and ultimately like kind of fights Volpe. um, And then Everyone falls uh, off the cliff and into the water. Well, two of them fall into the water. Uh, The crunch of Volpe hitting that rock. That sounded nasty. That was brutal. (laughs) That guy's that guy's dead. (laughs) That
1: was some uh, rude material enough to up the content rating.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You uh, don't see him again after that, and that is because he is dead on that rock. Definitely, (laughs) that crunch told me so. Um, Oh goodness! So they they and Pinocchio end up in the water, um, and they of course end up getting uh, swallowed by the dogfish. And they uh, try to climb out the blowhole. They uh, make use of Pinocchio lying to make his nose really long so that they can get across a big gap uh, because lying can be good sometimes, actually. Um, And they uh, ultimately manage to escape. But in the process, Pinocchio, he... Yeah, yeah. So they get out of the mouth, but then the dogfish is mad and it ends up partially swallowing Pinocchio who's like hanging onto a tooth and also swallowing one of the mines that's here in the water. And so Pinocchio ultimately purposely sets the mine off to save his uh father and Spazzatura uh and Sebastian I guess is there also. Uh, <laughs> you kind of he's tiny, you kind of forget about him for a lot of it. Um So he sets it off and so he dies again because he set off an explosion right next to his face. But he doesn't want to spend the time he has to wait there because, as mentioned, the times keep getting longer for every death. He needs to get back to help save his uh, father, who is, you know, drowning at this at this moment in time. Um, And so the uh, death is like... Okay, you you can break the rules and do that, but it will make you mortal, and it'll be your last life, and, like, if you die, you die kind of thing. Um So he does that, he rescues his father, and then he does die in the process... Uh, no one cried. No one was having a hard time with that scene. (laughs) Um, of, uh, Geppetto, like, holding his dead wooden son in his hands and apologizing for not appreciating him and stuff like that. No one was upset about that while we were watching. Uh, but, uh, the, the wood fairy comes back, um, and there's, uh, we, we get our, um, Sebastian coming around about like, well, I tried my best to do the thing about making him a good boy or whatever, but he also kind of was a good boy all along, and like, I deserved the wish that you said that I'd get, right? Because that was established early on, that he would get a wish if he did this. Uh, and so he uses his wish, of course, to wish Pinocchio back to life, so we can have a happy ending, except ha not yet, you suckers. <laughs> 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 you, thought, you thought that this was just gonna end happily without making you cry cry at all Uh, because of course as I established none of us cried during that scene where we thought where it was like Pinocchio was dead so uh, but then it's it's a happy ending but also melancholy and very sad because it's like they all go and live happily ever after but we see that Happily Ever After does still, eventually all of them die, except for Pinocchio. He is there with them as they die. It's done very beautifully and very sadly. Um, And then it's also like, and then Pinocchio went out into the world and did whatever. And maybe someday he died. Uh, I don't know. And there's a... um, pine cone that like falls off of a tree that could maybe insinuate pinocchio dying or maybe it insinuates something else i don't know um you can read it the way that you want but that's the end Uh, none of us cried about that either it was not emotionally affecting and did not make all of us bawling babies um it was so beautiful you guys it was just so well done so the themes of this film um Guillermo was quoted as saying to me, it's essential to counter the idea that you have to change into a flesh and blood child to be a real human. All you need to be human is to really behave like one. You know, I've never believed that transformation should be demanded to gain love. He chose to move away from the original book's apparent agenda, which seemed to seek to repress the spirits of children uh, and seemed to encourage blind obedience to parents and other authority figures. He saw the development of Pinocchio's autonomy as a virtue, um, and he oriented his film around the ideas of self-discovery and moral agency, which is certainly very much highlighted by putting by setting it in a time period where authority figures could not be trusted less um, because of the choices that they were making. Um, yeah, it's good. And then also, like I just mentioned, the film ends with everyone, pretty much everyone dying and maybe Pinocchio does or doesn't die. But like death is a super important theme to this. And it so going so far as to make it very clear that these characters die, you do get to see uh, Sebastian Cricket playing poker with the Death Bunnies in the afterlife. So like he's, they're doing all right, probably. Sebastian at least is. He gets to sing his song during the credits, which <laughs> has some really cute animation on the on the actual like credits words while he's doing his little song and dance. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of like the um, ending the Watership Down. And that it is good and happy, but it's also it also makes you cry because <laughs> it, it's very
2: real and and realistic and and that's one thing that this that this movie did beautifully because yeah it, it it just instead of just happily ever after you know there there's there's gonna be sadness because because we don't live forever you know what yeah. I mean so there is no true happily ever after
0: because that ever after is going to come to an end yeah i mean death literally says at one point that like what makes life special and important is death is the fact that it's finite and like you pinocchio might get to live forever but those around you won't your time with them is fleeting you need to enjoy it you know and make the yeah make the best of it yeah yeah
1: yeah, no, I you uh summarized it, but but yeah, it was nice to, s- it was nice to see that it was like acknowledged that it's like there's times when it's okay to lie. Yes, like it's so un- unrealistic <laughs> to to be like you can never lie. Yeah, uh, and then <laughs> I guess let's start being petty. That's good. Uh, this it. is one of this is the one of the quite a few times where this film and the Disney live action remake did functionally the same thing where this film did it to just a much better effect compared to Disney's like, okay, what? (laughs) Like, so yeah, it's okay to lie. Help your family, like grow your nose to, to, to save things or move forward where, uh, in the Disney one where he did that, like, the lying itself, like, didn't make sense. And, yeah, like, that scene was was baffling in its own right.
0: Yeah, he's, like, lying about... I don't even remember. He Yeah, his lies are s- very silly in the Disney one. Whereas here, he's, like, just straight being like, I don't love you, Tad. I don't love you, other... I don't love you, spazzatura and so on. Like, saying things yeah. that, yes we know aren't true and that are based in anything that happened.
2: Well, yeah. and even in that I like being whatever in the middle. Or yeah. I love
0: being stuck here and stuff and no, like that. But also
2: that he alluded to the camp, the, yeah, the fascist yeah. camp and so forth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, I think uh, Pinocchio's first line, in the Disney remake was, um, I want to go to school when yeah. it's like you, you did, you tried to go to school. That's not a lie. Yeah. Just baffling. Maffling. And another scene is the ending where uh, uh, they're on the beach, and Geppetto is holding Pinocchio, and he was telling him, "I'm sorry, I wanted you to be my son, and you're not." And here it was, it it is directly tied with things that he said and did, and we understood that that's what he was trying to do, uh, where he almost called Pinocchio Carlo, "Are my son in bed?" And he would just refer to him as Pinocchio early on, when later in the film, he started to refer to him as my son. That was lovely. That showed progression compared to <laughs> Disney remake, where it's like, yes, we know your son's name is Cristiano or whatever, but it you barely show this kind of confusion. And so whenever you say this, like, almost the same thing at the end, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel real.
0: Yeah. It doesn't feel like the Geppetto in the live-action one was only thinking of Pinocchio as a replacement for his son. Like yeah. it, you just don't really get a good sense of that.
1: Uh, yeah, just baffling.
0: I guess one of the things that I want to say, just kind of further on the death thing, is that it it's not it's not just about death as a vague concept, but it's about. It's about the idea that death is a part of life and that you have to move on from it because that is what Geppetto's issue is at the beginning is that years and years after Carlo dies, he refuses to get over it. He can't move past this death and live his own life, Uh, whereas at the end of the movie we see that that Pinocchio has to live through his father dying, Sebastian dying, Spazzatura dying. He lives past all of them. And once they're all gone, he doesn't just keep going back to the graves forever and otherwise do nothing with his life. We're told that he goes out into the world and he keeps having experiences and living his life and probably changing the lives of other people along the way, you know, and that's important. Like it's, it's understandable and totally fine to feel the grief of an insurmountable loss of a person that you cared about, but you would still, at some point, have to pick yourself up and move on. And you, that doesn't mean forgetting them, but that also doesn't mean refusing to let yourself live. You, you have to let yourself live, or you might as well have died too. You know they
2: they beautifully they beautifully figuratively and literally bring that concept also uh, to light in that you, you always like, like Danica said, you, you, you go forward, but you bring those people with you because one of the beautiful things they did that they tied in is when um, Sebastian first came and had made this tree, this hollow in this tree, his home, which then that part was cut down and and made into the body of Pinocchio is that when they all, um, after they all were saved, Uh, Sebastian went to you know back to he he constantly he kept that as his home living in it basically
0: living in Pinocchio's Pinocchio's
2: heart heart, you know like (laughs) where his heart would be um but then when one day uh Pinocchio found Sebastian's body on the windowsill it said that he put it um he put Sebastian in a matchbox and put him back in his heart and therefore carried him with them, and so it was just so beautiful because there was still a grave uh, for each of them for his father, for Sebastian, or maybe the three graves. Maybe was, one was Carlo. Maybe no, I there think were, it was. But well, but I want. I don't know. Yeah, but, I'm not sure. So, but it it just um just such a beautiful way to figuratively and literally be carrying someone with you in your heart and they just did it so beautifully and you know I, I don't know if you mentioned this before but you know one of our some of our criticisms for some of the other adaptations is is there wasn't a payoff some of the and some of the threads does, didn't connect but this was just so beautifully connected from from the very beginning and 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 sebastian you know taking place with that but but then it just coming full circle and and it really meaning something
0: and none of us just cried at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
1: oh, wait. Uh, I just remembered another thing to compare them to, to show how the Disney World Bengals
0: More pettiness. Uh,
1: so uh, you talked about the theme of transformation and, you know, Pinocchio intentionally not turning into a real boy. Uh, you... not, turning a
0: boy. A f- not turning into a flesh and blood boy. There we
1: go. Not turning into a flesh and blood boy he's not a blood boy. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry I had to. Uh because he sh- he doesn't need to change to be loved, to sh- to show his humanity, to be a a person. And Disney kind of did that too at the end, but
0: just came out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, like uh functionally it either didn't make sense or they didn't support it well enough
0: or it it, was- yeah, it didn't feel like it was part of the ingrained themes of the work that you watched up to that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because that one hewed so like hewed close to the original so much where that wasn't a, an original uh, intention, just tacking it on at the end is, is really hollow when here it is that comparison of Pinocchio to this real child Carlo. It is Pinocchio paralleled with Candlewick and uh just his experiences that he goes through and being accepted by his father as his son and and you know no matter what he looks like like it it fully fits and is 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 moving and and all of that, so just uh another just add a third a third thing of this movie did things better
0: <laughs> it did you know I'm not saying that. Anybody at Disney was paying attention to the production of Guillermo del Toro's movie and kind of cynically encouraged that their live action part movie have some similarities such as Geppetto having a dead son lying, actually helping in at least one situation and Pinocchio maybe not turning back, but... Those things sure are in there and kind of don't feel organic to the material itself and are some of the worst parts of it. (laughs) And I find that interesting. (laughs) Anything else with spoilers? No more spoilers. Let's go on to our favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie?
1: (laughs) I have a fourth comparison. Oh no! Where this movie did something better. Oh no. Than Disney.
0: I have a guess, and that is toilet humor. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the use of fecal matter in particular
1: versus a chamber pot that didn't. It didn't show that things were in it so it was like you know that's gross but not actively nasty
0: and also later when they were making fun of Mussolini there was a a puppet poop and that's yeah. just, hilarious that's just funny that's yes.
1: comedy yes. yes okay continue uh
0: what was your least favorite part in the movie this is
1: gonna be hard chamber no I'm joking uh I mean maybe hold on
2: I, unless y'all come up with something that I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. I, for me, I think it's just going to be the church scene where Pinocchio came in there because the realism of it was just so awful with them. It's like hard to watch. Yeah. And then like you're an abomination and even then the, I don't know, just i get, almost, almost I don't I like get you
0: but then it does let you later have the scene where he points at a giant depiction of jesus and says how That's come people true. like that guy and yeah, not me
2: no i just meant i this the part i didn't like is not i don't mean pinocchio going in but then no that, i the know but i'm saying without too. the audience's oh, reaction
0: that part wouldn't have that emotional That's true. weight.
2: Well, I may jump ship, so I'll see what no, you no, have I'm a, No, I'm just to. saying
0: is... I just, uh, Mine, I think I'll just go with uh, Volpe's introduction uh, because it's also attached to a song that I didn't particularly enjoy. So, Ooh. So that, I... It was nice to look at and it's good at introducing him. I just didn't love it.
1: Yeah, I guess... I guess I'll agree with Volpe's introduction. I think... I don't know if it was him having to function as a few things or... Or what, but I find it interesting that he needed a song uh, at all. Yeah, I, I don't know, but but I'll agree. I might jump ship to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: What was your favorite scene? And if it's in spoilers, be vague.
2: For me, I think it's going to be the end. It's in, in spoilers, but how they lived
1: out their life after, um, just in the very end, I guess. I think I'll go with when Pinocchio's creation and his initial, good, uh, good, his good. initial life where he, where it's like a horror film for, <laughs> for a bit. Uh, it was fun. It, you know, leaned, it felt very Gilmore del, del Toro. Yeah. It had a lot of personality.
0: I think just out of pure enjoyment, it was probably the making fun of Mussolini number, mm-hmm. but I I think what I'll I think what I'll put above it is the scene where Volpe is berating Spazzatura and 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 beating him and stuff and Pinocchio steps in front of him and stuff and, and that whole how that whole scene plays out because it it was like I was increasingly as the film went on kind of feeling more and more sad for Spazzatura and like kind of wanting there to be some sort of turn but I didn't know whether or not Spazichura would ultimately kind of prove to be a character on the good guy side or not. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, yes, okay, we are sympathizing with Spazichura and Pinocchio is doing the right thing here, standing up for this person. Uh, Yeah, it's good. I like that scene.
1: Yeah. I liked how the uh, being a good, a good boy wasn't spelled out for us to check off a list. Yeah. But we could just see from what he was doing that it's like, this is a good kid.
0: Yeah, like what is right in this moment to do is to stand up against this authority figure against the person that they're trying to abuse. Yeah, <laughs> like, not that's to obey.
1: What's right. Not yeah. to obey this military guy. Not to it is yeah. to to see humanity, to give grace and all of that. Yeah. Well and also
2: that there was no there was no hesitation on the part of Pinocchio to do the right thing. And I think that speaks more because in so many of the iterations, um, especially in the Disney versions, he's hesitant and kind of like, well, I'm not sure. And whatever. No. I mean, there, there, he just acted on and, and, and did the right thing um, at
0: the right moment. Who was your least favorite character?
1: When I first saw the, uh, the dad in the church, I'm like, That's the most Nazi guy I've ever seen.
0: (laughs) And you were right. I was right.
1: (laughs) I'm like, that guy looks like a Nazi. And he did. Uh, Yeah, that guy.
0: Yeah. Podesta.
1: Bad bad
2: dad.
0: Bad dad.
2: Yeah. And when he tells, when he tells Candlewick, he commands him to shoot Pinocchio, man.
0: Yeah. No, he's terrible. Horrible.
1: I, I, I third that.
0: Yeah, it's him. That guy sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Interrupting because I thought of a fifth thing. Oh boy! That this movie did <laughs> sure. that's better than Disney remake. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it's in spoilers, so I'll only say speedboat scene. That's oh yes, yes, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, yes. Got it.
0: Agreed. Got it. <laughs> Who was your favorite character?
1: So, I'm things that I'm remembering. I'm just slipping into this. This isn't my favorite character. But I will say that I thought it was interesting where it felt like, and maybe you can add this to the sixth thing that this movie did, that Disney compared to the Disney remake is the focus on uh, the cricket, the ethical bug, yeah, uh, Jay Cricket, whichever
0: Sebastian Jay Cricket,
1: yes, uh, like he he narrated here, but you know besides no meta jokes or maybe there was but it wasn't like a not obnoxious yeah it wasn't dwelling on him with sebastian i think that it was the the joke right of he's gonna sing this song this like iconic uh connected to the brand when you wish upon a star sort of thing and he doesn't get to not till the end yeah like i i i liked it like he didn't we're not harping on whether he's with Pinocchio or not. It's not about that. I I don't know. That was good. But in the end, I think my favorite character is Pinocchio just for the whole journey that he goes through. Yeah. And I absolutely love Sebastian. I, there were times
2: that I didn't like, but then ultimately I love Geppetto, but I, I'm going to have to go with Pinocchio too. It's and Pinocchio. Just, you know, this is
0: such a good Pinocchio. <sighs> such a good Pinocchio. Um, Gregory Mann does an amazing job voicing him. Uh, the story does an amazing does amazing work with him. The animators do amazing work. He's just, he's the best part of the movie. And the movie has a lot of really good parts to it. Like, that is saying something.
1: And I think they did a really good job balancing e- either with the character or with the stories, how they structured it. Uh, balancing his naivete, like, being taken advantage of. I think because he's not in so many situations he gets into that contract with the guy. And so then it's not Naivete bringing him back. It is that threat uh, against his dad and all of that. So it felt like his character was allowed to grow quickly. Yeah. Instead of having to be like, okay, he learned this, but but here's a little angle on it that he's not thinking about. And so they got him back again. So I, I like that with with this version as well.
0: What was your least favorite song in the movie?
1: Uh, Vol- Volpe.
0: We were a king once. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, agreed. Same with me. Eh. What was your favorite song in the movie?
1: Uh, okay. So yeah, we agreed. Volpin song bad. Uh, or just not as engaging as the rest. Yeah, yeah. Again, not sure why they had it. I guess to it chara- introduce him. I guess it kind of characterizes him as well, shows the motivation later.
0: And maybe Christoph Waltz wanted to sing.
1: Possibly. <laughs> uh, but I think I I just really liked the My Son, like it was a lovely song. I'm torn
2: between My Son and Chow Papa. Um it's really hard to decide because it 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 was just such a love letter in in some respects for each other. And just showing in the montage and just everything when when it when both of those songs went, so I think I'm going to ultimately give it to Chow Papa because I think it really showed uh, Pinocchio's love for his dad.
0: My I have two favorites. One is Big Baby Il Duce March, which I said <laughs> wrong earlier um because it's funny and there's a poop puppet and one is everything is new to me uh because it was it was catchy and it was also funny but in a kind of horrific way as he just went around wrecking everything as he was like what's
1: this what's this and then uh and then he he throws the chamber pot yes he sure does
0: Surprise bonus round, guys. Oh, no what? (laughs) Now it is time. Oh, no. It is time to rank the five Pinocchio movies. Now, (laughs) I know that we've been rating them, and we will, uh, after this, rate this movie, but we're we're not worried about what we've said in the past, what we've rated the other ones. Right now, you're feeling in your heart. You've watched all five of these Pinocchios.
1: We didn't cry here, so we're
0: not gonna. We didn't cry here. Just the results. <laughs> so, just in your heart, rank them worst to best.
2: Okay, so like starting with number five. Starting number five
0: is the one you like the least, all the way up to number one, which you like the most.
2: I'm gonna need you to help remind me, like or whatever. The, so the the, the, name the, of the five Pinocchios
0: are. Disney's original 1940 Pinocchio, okay. The Adventures of Buratino, the Russian version, Pinocchio 2012, the Italian one, and, uh, the Disney live-action remake, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. All
2: right, I think I'm ready. Number five.
0: <laughs> Disney remake. Whoa! Live action.
2: What? Whoa. <laughs> Disney remake live-action. Number four. Russian... Uh, adaptation
0: adventures of Burrettino number
2: three Disney original number two Italian number one
0: Guillermo del Toro yes all right all right some 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 interesting spicy takes here I feel like I'm gonna go ahead and make a prediction here that there's probably gonna be a pretty significant amount of agreement on the bottom two movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and predict that we will end up all having the same bottom well, two, but we will see.
2: Um, my three and four were a little bit hard, but ultimately, two, I think two, I want to go with right my... You mean your two i oh, I'm sorry, two three. my two and three. Thank you. My two and three. But ultimately, I think Italian story and everything
1: got me. I... Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to agree just with your list fully. Oh, <laughs> uh, Disney remake bottom. Uh, we did not have a good time with that film. No. Did we didn't even have a fun bad time. No. Nope. Yeah. Uh Bertino, kind of confusing. Uh I liked like the uh the fairy with the turquoise hair. I liked her design, stuff like Malvina. that. Malvina. Uh oh yeah, no, you're right. I like Malvina. Uh, and, and it was fun to see the, the guy based on, uh, Poff Piero. Like, that was kind of fun.
0: And mom liked the dog. I love
1: the poodle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, there's some stuff to enjoy, but kind of, you know, boring in a way. Uh, I think Disney is three, just because he's, it's, it's gorgeous. These are all very close, but... You
0: mean these top three are close? The top three
1: are very close, yes. Uh, but Italian Pinocchio just had... A lot of heart in there I wasn't expecting. And and I liked the, the characterization of Geppetto. Like, there was more of him in it. Uh, and then, of course, this one had that plus gorgeous stop-motion animation. And yeah, I think it just really makes the story, the texture of the story more when you pull Geppetto in like this. Which the Disney original didn't have as much of. And so I think that pushes it over for these other two.
0: I'm going to i I'm gonna shake things up. Shake it up. Let's see how it's shaken up. It's not shaken up with the bottom two. You're
1: shaking the table. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh,
0: on the bottom, we, of course, have Disney live action remake. It is bad. And then we have the uh, Adventures of Burrettino, uh, which we just weren't that into. It has some interesting stuff going for it. We would probably appreciate it more if we read the novel it was based on. In number three... And these are all close together also, uh, the top three, is the Italian one. I'm going to put that at number three. I really enjoyed it, uh, but sometimes it felt a little overly long to me and felt it felt like the closest adaptation. But in that way, it also felt like it just has so much happening. It feels less concise and focused. And I had issues with like the Toy Island segment and stuff that I didn't feel hit as strongly. Uh, So that one will be number three. Number two will be the Disney 1940 Pinocchio. Uh, it's it's a masterpiece, but it also has Stromboli, and that's there's just kind of some problems with that depiction that I'm not into. Um, but I really like the the ways that it altered the source material to achieve what it wanted to do. Um, I really like a lot of these versions of the characters; they're iconic. This is where uh, the Cleo and um, What's the cat
1: Figaro? Figaro
0: are from the cute little side characters. They're fun enough, and Figaro but I really
1: turns out to be Disney, or Minnie's cat, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: Figaro eventually becomes Minnie's cat, um, and this is just kind of the most iconic versions of some of these bad guys. Um, I like Stromboli's personality to an extent. It's just, just some of the. How he's characterized racially—that's a problem. But I especially, you know, love Honest John and Gideon in there. They're—they're they're my favorite versions. Uh, and I love the coach—the coachman kind of being the devil, maybe. Um,
1: Do you know if someone is named Honest? Like, maybe they're not so. Get honest. out of here!
0: <laughs> but then, yes, at number one, I've got to put Guillermo del Toro's no! Pinocchio. It's just yeah, really. The end of this, oh. It's just really good. It's, ah, it's great. It, it it takes the Disney ethos of being willing to change the source material to uh, hit the themes and the story that you want and dials it up to an extreme of like, you know what? We're going to toss out some characters. We're going to combine some characters. We're going to set it in a very specific time and place. Um, and, and we're just we're going to really focus in on uh, death, what it means to be. Uh, A real uh, human person Just all these fascinating Wonderful themes Some cute songs Maybe they're not as immediately memorable As Pinocchio's uh, Disney's Pinocchio but still great Like it's just good
1: And even then like immediately memorable This has had decades To percolate within the cultural conscience Mm -hmm. One of them becomes Disney's like main song Uh, Yeah So like there's a difference You can't directly compare that
0: uh, hundred percent. So, that's that's our rankings. All right, we probably don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this. But if Tim Curry were in this, probably Volpe. Yes, I, I think Volpe makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, I think we can keep Ron Perlman as as the fascist. It, it was a
1: really Cause, good because
0: Tim Curry like tends to have uh, a lot of the voice times where he brings his voice it's into a things. Campiness. There's yeah, there's a little bit of campiness and stuff in there. I, I think Ron Perlman's. Performance like that hits what that character needs to be. Um, and I think Christoph Waltz did a, a perfectly fine job as Volpe. Um, just like if you were going to have Tim Curry, that seems like the one I agree, and I love Tim Curry. Let's yeah. go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. I think it's safe to say we all recommend it fully, we all put it as our top one. So, well, I don't have
2: to hesitate, I can go first unless you yeah, want to, Valerie, it. but I 100% recommend it. You know, with I strongly recommend it. I with Flying Colors recommend it, and I would rate it a five. I I loved it, and I and I think it was done beautifully. And I think it it, it took me from Pinocchio being one of my least favorite Disney movies and stories to now just one
1: that is so dear to my heart. Of course, yes. Uh, like Danica said, we recommend this. As for rating. I'm going to give it. I think I'm going to go with a 4.75. It's really good. You should watch it. It's a very still a high rating. Yeah.
0: I think I'm also I think I'm also going to go 4.75. Part of me is just trying to be like I just watched it. I got to kind of cool and see how I'll feel about it over time. But it's amazing. It's amazing. You should watch it. Um, Y'all are
2: poopy heads. No,
0: I'm just teasing. (laughs) It's it's, uh, all of our favorite version of the five versions of the story that we saw. Um, It's really good. You should see it. You owe it to yourself to see it if you're a fan of animation and good storytelling. I I love it. It's very good. 4.75. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And I would love to have you join
2: me on any Wednesday um, on Twitch with Nana Critter N-A-N-A-C-R-I-T-T-E-R. Any Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central Time. And my beautiful daughter and daughter-in-law will be in the chat. So please stop by, say hi, come join
1: me. Yeah.
0: And next time we're going to kind of be starting a, a kind of vague, squishy, like the, those those weird movies that you kind of remember in your childhood,
1: you know? We've already done a few of them.
0: We've done some of those, but that's kind of vaguely the theme for the rest of the year. Uh, but also the next movie is going to be a Disney movie. So there's only like so much you can do there because pretty much all the Disney movies are really well known. Uh, but I'll say that this movie involves a wizard.
1: I was going to say a sexy squirrel. Oh, no, A forward squirrel. A
0: very forward squirrel lady who does not want to take no for an answer. (laughs) So join us next time. (laughs) Bye. 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 Love y'all. Bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark you equals two seven nine zero five six six. Every little bit helps. And even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info.
1: Are you giving this a five? Mm -hmm. I was going to bite you, but I couldn't. (laughs) I've done this to myself.
0: You can. You just have to live with the consequences of your actions. I've done this to myself. I can't believe I've done this. (laughs) (laughs) Um...